This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. I'm not saying this to boast, but I want to tell you that what I've learned I think has been beautiful, it's been God glorifying. I got to spend time with my kids this week. We played a bunch of rounds of Uno in a coffee shop and got Italian sodas, which was fantastic. My youngest son loved it that he got to drive in the Dodge Charger. He was like, this is cool. Look at him. He's still looking at me. <laughs> and he's like, we got to do it every week, right? He's like, Peter, he's like, every day, let's do this, you know? Um, I got to go on a, two motorcycle rides, which was fantastic. It was great. Got to hang out with my wife and, you know, chill out a little bit and get a meal together, which was amazing. Um, I got to spend time. I got to work out quite a bit this week, which was nice. Make time for myself. Because of this question, what stops productivity in my life? If I believe that the calling that God's given me is so good, it's so beautiful, I cannot turn away, I cannot turn away from it, I need to give it my best. You need to ask yourself, what is draining productivity in your life? And I'll tell you this, this is something that the leadership team and I do. I call it the six by six. I think of six things that's vitally important that needs to be done in the next six weeks. Things, as the weeks go by, it moves from urgent to important. And... I need to take inventory of it. And every day I have a to-do list of things that I want to get done. And I'm not saying this as a leadership lesson for you, but if we really believe that Jesus has put you here for a plan and a purpose, we've got to take our life into consideration and lead our life well. Like one person, I think it was Dave Ramsey that said, this is about money, but I think it's true about time. If you do not tell your time where to go, your time will tell you, you know, or you'll be wasting your time or something like that. Like, you know, you just waste your time. In the end of the day, you're like, man, it's only six o'clock. It's time to go to bed. And look at bad leaders. This is the ceiling. Bread is made for laughter. Wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Does money answer everything? No, it doesn't. But that's what bad leaders believe. If I can have food, wine and money, I'm fine. I can tell you in my own life when I wasn't productive. I was an alcoholic at one point in my life. And my life was not productive. I spent all night playing video games and drinking. And I made a friend of mine lose a whole year of college. And thankfully, you know, God had blessed me with a good job that I could still keep my job and still be able to live that lifestyle. But I know I wasn't being productive in my life. And God used my brother to confront me in that time, which was amazing. I don't know what is your alcohol. Maybe it's literal, maybe it's something else. But what is stopping productivity from you really being able to answer the call that God has for your life? Look at the contrast of bad leadership to good leadership. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. It says, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Do not think about, again, the mind. Do not even think about that. You got one life. I don't know when you'll breathe your last. And you're going to stand before God. And God's not going to say, you know, why did your pastor not preach on sanctification? Why did your wife do that? Why did the cops do that to you? He's going to say, what did you do with the life that I gave you? Listen, you have a calling in your life. We beat that drum so for so long. You're loved, you're called, you're chosen, you're equipped. But are you taking charge of your life and following the calling that God has for you? Three questions that I always ask young people when they talk about calling and passion and vision. I say, first of all, what is a passion that you cannot run away from? Young or old, I want to ask you, what's a passion that every morning you wake up, it's been burning within your chest and you cannot run away from it? And maybe you're trying to numb it because you feel like you're not ready for it, you cannot do it, you're intimidated by it. But what's a passion that God's given you that you cannot run away from? Second thing, do you have the talents to be able to follow that passion, to be able to do it. And if you don't, how can you train yourself and equip yourself to be able to do that? And third question, do the people around you see that same passion in you? Or the talents in you? If they don't, then you're just living in a dream, la-la land. Anyways, that's just something for you to think about. Jesus, let's look at him. He knew when was the proper time to feast and the proper time to fast. John chapter 1, I've been studying this. John chapter 1 and 2, it's crazy how he talks about in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was God, everything was made by Him. And what happens in John chapter 2? 
You find Jesus at a wedding and they run out of wine and he turns water into wine to keep the party going. This is God hanging out and feasting and partying. In, in uh, Luke chapter 5, there's a guy named Levi, not that guy, but his name is Matthew and he's a tax collector. And Jesus says, hey, come, be my disciple. And Levi throws this huge feast and Jesus is there feasting. But we also see Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Folks, do you know when is the right time to feast and when is the right time to fast? Because if you do not have a priority for your life, if you don't have an end goal inside, if you don't have a vision for the calling that God has for you, you'll just be wasting your life. Jesus, man, he knew exactly what he was here for and he pursued it with a passion. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and do not get drunk on wine. Once again, it doesn't have to be literal wine. What is it that's reducing productivity in your calling? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Recreation is good for the soul. But if you're only participating in recreation and you're not taking your work, your calling into consideration, you'd lose what you've been entrusted with. Are you ready to bring this to a close? Yeah? yeah? Some of you are like, no, keep going. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Preach it all over again. <laughs> all right, last thing, last thing, okay? Last thing. This is, um, this is where we really kind of land this plane. You have one life. You know that, right? You have one life. We're not Hindus who believe in reincarnation. We have one life. You need to act now. You need to make a decision this morning. What I shared with you, maybe you weren't expecting it. Maybe some of you are young. You don't realize this. Or maybe some of you who've achieved a lot in your life, you've not thought about this and pondered this. But I want to remind you, no matter old or young, you have one life. And one day you are going to breathe your last. And if we really want to take the promise of Jesus seriously, that he came to give life and life in abundance, there is God's sovereignty, but there's also man's responsibility. And you need to act today, now. You have one life. Don't make it difficult for yourself. Because the longer you ignore your heart, the condition of your heart, you're only going to make your life more and more and more difficult. And it's quite possible that you find yourself in a place of not knowing how to get out of the rut of enemies that you built and relationships that you burned because you've been prideful, not surrendering your life to Jesus, not giving your heart fully to Him. Look at what it says in verse 15 of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. The toil of a fool wearies him. There are two ways this reads in Hebrew. The toil of a fool wearies him. Have you ever worked with a fool? He wears you out. Because you're like, please stop doing that. Don't. Uh, what was that movie, Megan, we watched for the kids? Um, Mr. George, Mr. Wilson. Oh, yeah, Dennis the Menace dude I don't know if I'm just getting old or what but I'm like yeah I'd take care of that child quickly right like, no you leave my dentures alone right it's crazy but, but, but have you ever had that employee that just doesn't know how to take correction doesn't know how to take feedback and just doesn't want to listen to anything I mean you want to fire that guy on the spot you're like just go home don't come back the work of a fool is tiresome they don't take the vision into consideration, the end product into consideration, they wear you down. Another way it reads in Hebrew is, the work of a fool tires him. You know why? Because he's so prideful and he thinks that, oh, you give me that task, it's very simple. I'll do these 15 other things. What happens in the end? Nothing gets done. Right? I'm not talking about people who are proactive. There are some people who are prideful. Again, 
Very slight difference between a person who's proactive and prideful, like faith and foolishness. A fool will try to be so proactive in the end, he cannot be trusted. And look at this, how, how it continues. It says, the fool, the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Because they didn't have Google Maps back then. No, what he's saying is, loud city, bright lights, lot of people, he's not going to make his way there. You cannot give him a task of like, hey, take this letter to the city. He cannot be trusted with that. He'll wear you out, he'll wear himself out, because on the way, he's going to make 15 other deals and get lost and get destroyed and you know, spend all the money and get lost in the neighborhood villages around over there and will never make it to the city. He cannot find his way over there because he's just so distracted. If you remember in the same chapter, verse 3, it says, Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he's a fool. I don't know about you, man. This, you might just laugh it off and be like, I'm not like that. But I want God to trust me with everything that he's created me for. I don't know about you, but I want God to trust me. I want God to walk around with a pen knife in his hand, waiting for me to surrender so he could tear open the floors of heaven and pour out all the blessings that he has for me. I want all the call of God, all the giftings of God that God has for me. I want to realize every single one of it while I'm here on this earth. If I believe that God, Jesus came into the world to invite us into eternal life, I want to start experiencing it right here and right now. I don't want God to look at me and say, even when he walks in the road, he lacks sense and he says to everyone that he's a fool. Joel cannot be trusted to even go into a city. Joel cannot be trusted. Joel is wearisome. He's, man, he's so annoying. I don't want God to think of that of you either. Because a fool needlessly makes things difficult for himself and the people around him. And what do you guess the end result is in all of this? Destruction. He's destroyed. Look at verse 18. Through sloth, that's laziness, the roof sinks in. And through indolence, that's avoidance, the house leaks. If you don't take care of your house, yeah, your house will start falling apart. Spiders will go everywhere, bugs everywhere, weeds everywhere. Take away your whole house. You've got to take care of it. Just like that in your life. Yes, don't give up. You're a work in progress. But just because you're a work in progress, don't forget the first part of not giving up. You've got to constantly clean out the cobwebs in your life. Take inventory of your life. God, where are areas where I'm not surrendered to you? Because I don't want, before I can pull up the ladder, the roof to sink in on me and crush me and kill me. I don't know how many of you are going to act this morning and take the ladder to the roof of your heart and to say, God, some shingles need to be fixed. Some spiders need to be killed. God, you need to spray some, 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 you know, there's a lot of bug infestation. Your Holy Spirit needs to deal with that. There's a lot of bitterness that's been stirring in my heart and I'm waiting for the right opportunity. I know the right words just to shoot and cut and tear people down. Forgive me for all of that, Lord. In contrast, a wise person, he will check his heart, check his words, check his clock, check his priorities. I want to give you a homework because I don't want just to preach and then go home. I want to give you homework this week. I want you to write on six things that you need to prioritize in your life. Six things that you're going to prioritize over the next six weeks. See, it's tangible. Okay, we're going to give it a time frame. Six things like what we do with our six by six. It can be with your family, with your children. It can be with your job, with your business, with your ministry. Six things that you want to prioritize and do it as honoring the calling of God in your life. And every day, you got to touch one thing of those six things. You see, with, with five kids, with the church, with my own personal health to be taken care of, it's very hard to manage all of these things. And a lesson that I learned from a very beautiful leader, he said, you got to touch one thing every day. So I make my sixth list, and then i got to touch one thing every day. One day, the staff of the church. One day, the vision for the future of the church. One day, my family. One day, my children. One day, my own personal recreation. Touch one thing every day. As an honor 
for the calling of God in your life, knowing that Jesus came to give life and life in abundance, your homework is six things. Put it on a card, stick it on your window, stick it on your mirror. And every day, make sure that you check in a list of touching one thing every day and go back to it in the next six weeks. And let's see how God will transform your life. Let's see the productivity that God will bring in your life. And I know this is a message that sounds more like a leadership talk. And maybe that's what God wants for us as a church. In these last days, maybe it's time when businesses are closing down and churches are closing down, maybe it's time that we as believers look at ourselves as entrepreneurs, that's, that God's given us His Holy Spirit, and to lead our life in such a way that brings glory to God, that will be a billboard of the grace of God for those that don't believe in Jesus. Would you please stand and we'll pray and close. God, I pray for those standing over here that you have called to ministry, that you have called to serve you, to be your mouthpiece in a world that needs life. I pray for those that you have placed your nail-pierced hands and anointed them for your work. Forgive them for squandering their life. I pray that you'd give them a courage to grow in the calling that you call them to and to walk by faith and not in foolishness, to walk in courage and in your grace. Father, I pray for this church, this beautiful church that you, that you have planted, that you are growing, that you are speaking, that you are infusing with your power and Holy Spirit. I pray that you would raise up the leaders that this church needs to carry the burdens of one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. Bring the right people in this church, O oh Lord. Bring the right people in this family, O oh Lord, to serve your kingdom well. I thank you for those that serve behind the scenes. I pray that you would give us wisdom to speak words of truth and, and favor with each other. That in these hallways and whenever we come together, every single person that enters this room will leave refreshed, renewed, and rejoicing that they've encountered the true and the living God through our words and our actions. Father, I pray for the tough conversations of truth that will happen during this week in our homes, in our marriages, with our children, with our neighbors, bosses. Father, your word says that you will give us the words when the time comes. I pray that you would give us those gracious words as we surrender our hearts to you. Teach us to forgive those that have offended us and to love those who persecute us, knowing that you are a just God. You are a just God. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the beautiful fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide on each and every one of you, both now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app. 